Welcome to the 501 Companion Podcast, an educational and news podcast slash podcast for 501c3 charitable organizations that want to create better content, optimize their technology, and improve their marketing to better soothe their mission. This is episode number 27th, the fourth show of 2022. My name is Buddy Sclera, the Chief Content Officer and host of the 501 Companion Podcast. My career has been focused on digital marketing, social media, and emerging technologies like component content systems and NFTs. I'm also a professional writer working and teaching the craft and business of making comics. I'm joined by Sandy Minuti, Chief Operating Officer at Family Promise, a versatile nonprofit executive with 20 plus years of extensive experience in public relations, marketing, fundraising, and strategic planning. She is deeply committed to advancing a vibrant and healthy philanthropic marketplace in which charities have the necessary skills and resources to solve our community's most pressing issues. Our guest this week is Tim Gamery, the founder and CEO of Elevate Digital LLC. He is an entrepreneurial and resourceful executive with 20 years of sector experience in designing, developing, award-winning technology solutions for consumer and business-facing stakeholders. He has a proven capability for leading, motivating, and developing a staff with diverse backgrounds. Most recently, he was a board member at Family Promise and CEO at Bronx Exchange. Tim was a founding team member and technical architect at Charity Navigator, America's largest charity evaluator and go-to resource for philanthropists. Anyway, I'm going to just quit while I'm ahead. Tim, welcome to the show. Sandy, welcome back. Thank you. Thank you. Pleasure. Glad to be here. We're glad to have you. And, uh, you know, it's nice to see you again, Tim. Uh, we, uh, we met each other many, many years ago, and you're instantly recognizable. And when Sandy said, this is a great guest, I was like, yeah, this is a great guest. So uh, it's so nice to see you uh, still working um, in, the, or in, the, in the space. Yeah, yeah, thank you. Yeah, like, nice to see you as well and, and, and appreciate the invitation. And, and I also remember kind of meeting with you at, at Ogilvy and the support and help you were giving us at Charity Navigator to level up our marketing capabilities. I think we're working on like some website development projects and, and design projects. So that was, that's very helpful having that kind of those resources, um, helping a nonprofit uh, take it to the next level. Well, and of course, I met Sandy at the same time and uh, never lost touch with Sandy. So she is the, uh, the super connector uh, for our show. Sandy, uh, thanks for bringing Tim, Tim onto the show. What are we going to be talking about today? Yeah, I'm a huge fan of Tim's and I got to work with him for like 15, 16 years. In the end, we even had matching stand-up desks next to each other. And um, it was great. I have... Um, a lot of admiration for Tim. I've learned a lot from him over the years. So maybe Tim, you can start us off with like telling us about your whole background and how your career progressed. I think it's really interesting for people to know like how you can kind of navigate through the nonprofit sector and do different things and, you know, build up your professional skills. Yeah. Thanks, Sandy. Yeah. And and, uh, yeah, appreciate making this connection as well through Charity Navigator, Family Promise. And um, it's, it's, such a pleasure working with you and excited to continue to like maintain this connection as we like, as we, as we move around. Um, and yeah, the, my, like my path is, 
there was no plan. <laughs> it's funny because I was following signs, really. I, 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 I went to college for video production because I did take a class in high school that allowed us to create a television show. And that really like, ooh, that turned me on. So I went to school at Marist College, video production. I thought I was going to kind of go into that. But then I heard about Teach for America uh, my senior year. And I had already been mentoring and wanted to be kind of uh, impactful and, and, and help make a difference. I was really appreciative of the education I got. So I went into Teach for America as a core member. I taught in the Bronx where my family's originally from and where many relatives are, but it's also the Bronx is typically spoken about in, uh, in terms of deficits, right? On, and the challenges. So I wanted to, to, to be a part of uh, Teach for America there in the Bronx. After teaching for a couple of years, I then joined the staff of Teach for America, the national office. And that was a, just an incredible experience because I joined um, at the time when the idea of the alumni association of like people who had done the teaching and were either continuing an education or going into any number of fields. But that idea of like, hey, let's keep those people connected as, as advocates for educational impact. Um, that was brand new. So I was uh, tasked with helping create the Alumni Association at Teach for America. And I was working directly with Wendy Kopp, the founder of Teach for America. So that was a tremendous experience. So I was there during this, this, uh, this growth phase of the organization. And from I really enjoyed connecting and building relationships. And then I also, because Teach for America was a nonprofit that was growing, the technology resources were limited there as well. So I, I became like the unofficial tech guy. People started asking me like, hey, Tim, can you do that? They got, they got a sense that I was like really like into it. I just, I'm always playing, I go home and I'd like start <laughs> teaching myself, you know, how to design a website and, and databases. That's really where like, databases um, I kind of fell in love with there because like, well, we needed to organize all the alumni information. It didn't exist. I had to create it. So out of necessity, which is a uh, very common in the nonprofit space, right? The wearing multiple hats and kind of taking on and, uh, the ability to learn. So I really appreciated that because I was able to um, actually dive into technology, teach for America. And it was there that um, a colleague Trent Stamp, who was also a Teach for America, uh, he left and was tasked with creating, being the first executive director of Charity Navigator. So he, uh, after a couple of months, he gave me a call. <laughs> and he called me and another colleague, Kyle Wade, to come on board and help create Charity Navigator. It was Pat Dugan, uh, who was the founder, had this tremendous idea, saw this need, which was really powerful because he has no internet background. He knew nothing about the internet, but he just knew enough like, hey, that's the future. He just understood the concept and how to help make this information uh, easily accessible so that more people can be feel confident in donating. So I was really attracted because Trent knew that I was into tech and he was like, hey, can you create website and database? I was like, I could figure it out. I was like, <laughs> it's like, I haven't done this exactly, but I can figure it out. Um, so jumped in to Charity Navigator and that was such an incredible experience being there from the beginning when we were calling and then Sandy, you came on shortly after when um, charities were still like 
very dismissive of us right and like calling it like what do you this is you know this is ridiculous we're not going to give you information because we were asking for it initially to send the 990s or like we can't do this um to seeing how our persistent efforts over time and our marketing was was really key i think uh early on in in our our messaging um to breaking through and becoming what helping to you know what it is today a standard that's <laughs> it's a, it's, a, it's a standard it's funny coming across websites and seeing the logo the four star logo on the bottom and that's the version i designed <laughs> yep. because i was the designer and uh, video producer as well as the it and helped you set up your computer and everything and sandy it was you were my uh, my kind of partner because you the communications and the marketing and the cfo and we wore multiple hats right <laughs> so that um that was 15 years at charity navigator i then went after leaving charity navigator took some time off and i i really was exploring like how can i be of service well that was the question and where could i have impact and i looked at the bronx again because that's where my family was rooted um and we're still a lot of need and was attracted to uh, an organization there that was um, really looking at syst- like the whole system and the whole economy and like looking at root cause of inequity and root cause of poverty and how, how do we help build actual wealth and help like disrupt intergenerational poverty. And one of the projects was the Bronx Exchange, which was looking to, uh, uh, working to redirect local spending from institutions into Bronx businesses, locally owned Bronx businesses, minority owned businesses, underserved businesses, um, help make those connections. So I, I just left, I was there for four years and helped uh, millions of dollars floated um, to businesses in the, in the Bronx and helped build a network and um, a number of initiatives that are continuing. And, um, and I'm actually, stemming from that work in the Bronx have, uh, we'll be working closely with some, uh, a smaller cohort of small business and designing a program to really accelerate some community-based businesses um, and working uh, help in terms of market, helping market, um, helping businesses with their marketing. And then also involved with, in the nonprofits, just in general, the, the entire uh, ecosystem of organizations. There's many, many, nonprofit organizations, for-profit organizations, initiatives. So I've been building a platform that serves as a resource for helping everybody in the community of the Bronx um, see all of the resources and, um, and also understand understand those resources and um, be able to access because there, there are a lot there's a lot of missed connections in terms of uh, resources for-profit businesses, nonprofit um, businesses actually trying to reach customers and, and vice versa. So that's, yeah. <laughs> that's really interesting career path and impressive. Um, I wanna go back to um, some of the work you did at Teach for America and Charity Navigator, and I think that it continues now. Um, in creating the database, I think one of the things that was done well at Charity Navigator was we had a lot of parameters around the database. There were yeah. a lot of instructions about how to enter the data. You built the system in a way that people could understand the architecture. Um, and I think that that's a challenge for a lot of nonprofits to 
have a database that works for them, whether it's donors or programmatic data. And can you, can you speak a little bit about that? Cause it's not easy to do that work on the front end, but if you don't, you know, garbage in and garbage out, right? Yeah. Yeah. That was, yeah, that definitely, uh, that's a, that's a good point that how that, that focus on the user experience internally for us as staff users to make it as easy as possible, right? Like to, easy to, um, to enter information, easy to, f- to, to go through a workflow for the ratings and, um, and easy to, check right like there, there's different checks and balances so it was and, and i attribute part of that to the the um thinking about the user experience and starting with kind of the the goals versus the technology and i see that so there's a lot of kind of tripping up i think regarding technology um and the application of it where there's often kind of there's there's different perspective different areas of understanding that people have and have like they're familiar with this platform or they're familiar with this and they start kind of adapting based on just what they know of technology to like what they're trying to do versus like forget about the the tools like there's so many tools now like it's forget about the tools like just what is the outcomes like start with the end and then work backwards to the to the tool set and I, I think that is a um that is that was that was key that was something this is before like when we started there was there's no ux design the whole that didn't exist <laughs> like no, all of the agile development none of it yeah. none of that existed no. and it was the wild west on, on the yeah. internet and yeah. uh but there was something about design that um i i also was i was coming from the, the technology i got into it because i was trying to like do things solve different problems I didn't come in through the tech route. And I was also, I did video production. I had a small business video on the side too. So I was, I had an eye for kind of design and aesthetics that I think helped because I've always seen it through the lens of the user. And it was really helpful being in the office and just watching how, how people were using the application, right? The internal application, a lot of folks, uh, they see the, the Cherry Navigator website, it's actually really simple compared to the internal app <laughs> that the analysts, the small team of analysts are able to use um, to, for you know, us processing all of that data and, and, and being really confident in the quality of the data too. That was, we had such high standards on like the accuracy of that data um, and making it easy for, for, for the team to, to do that. Yeah. Did that, yeah. <laughs> that it's, answer? That's like a super important lesson that not everybody knows, right? There's a million technology applications and tools out there, but you got to solve the business problem first and then find the tool that does the things you need it to do. And I think, yeah, we all get excited about new technology and, and sometimes yeah. do that in reverse. And it's even like, yeah just constantly thinking about the end user, like who's coming to your website? What information needs to be there? What, how are you portraying yourself with your website if it's not up to date and it's not looking professional or you know, based on current internet standards, you know, all those things. Um, it yeah. just runs the gamut, yeah. Yeah, and, and asking just, and checking in with folks, get that feedback and, and see what they think. And, um, and, and that, that was something I really appreciated also at Charity Navigator 
because we were so small, like when people called, do you remember when anyone called? They were like, get one of us, right? So it's like, yeah. even though there's at some point millions of visitors on the site and like someone goes to call, it's like, I need help. And like, I pick up. <laughs> and I loved talking to people that were using the site. And like, not just to solve whatever challenge, I'd start asking more questions like, oh, like what else, you know, how are you using the site? What else um, did you try to do or would you like to do? And I learned so much through just conversation and understanding um, more about kind of the motivations and the, and it was fascinating because they're talking. I remember talking to one of the users of the site who had a, he he had a spreadsheet that he pulled in data from the site, put it in his own spreadsheet, and he had his own calculations. It's like, oh, that's interesting because that could be you know it's a, a feature set. We could <laughs> if there's others that want that, it could help make that make that easier. So a lot from that, those conversations um, that I learned. And I remember there's, who did I talk to? There's, um, do you remember a few cele celebrities that called? Um, oh, wow. I know. There was D like a heavy metal band. D Snyder. Yeah. Yeah. I didn't talk to him, but there was a, a comedian who, who called. Uh, um, Elaine, I don't know. It's fun. If you're an 80s, uh, had showtime in the 80s, maybe even you know, Elaine Boozler was a comedian. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Okay. So this is dating us. Okay. We're all, we know. <laughs> I don't know. Elaine Boozler. Um, I just had a great conversation with her. She was a, a user of Charity Navigator and she called because she had a question about something. So I had many, many conversations over the years that um, informed from the, the user perspective. <laughs> Which is critical, right? Like I was talking to an affiliate the other day, they have some additional resources that have come in and they're like, we just built a daycare facility. What, what should we do next? They're calling us. What should we do next? We're like, you should ask the people you serve. What is missing in the community that they would really value and make your decision on that? Oh, yeah. Like, it's not that yes. we don't know these things, but you get so caught up in the day to day. You're not thinking from that. But yeah, it's always important to ask the end user, the people you're serving, whether that's internal staff or clients, you know, how can we better serve you? Um, yeah. And develop your products that way. Yeah. And then I think, yeah, asking folks, like, what are they trying to accomplish and like what, what their, their vision and what, you know, what they hope and, and help tease out the technology because people could constrain based on what they understand the tech. Like, no, 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 just what. And then and also just in watching, <laughs> like I've done that also yeah. recently in small businesses um, and just every, how everything is working in the economy in the Bronx and just just watching. Um, how the uh, contracting process or the, the you know, marketing of their business or just how things are done um, without, because people will, will answer differently. Like if asking people like how you do something, it's not the same as like actually watching them because there's a, there's a disconnect <laughs> from what people think they, they do or why versus oftentimes what they, what they what they actually do in some, you know, some task or procedure that they, so Tim, what's what's something that you've learned um, by observing the users uh, that led to for that surprised you that led to a change? And you you could choose anything: Charity Navigator, um, the Bronx, whatever you have observed that surprised you. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and this isn't necessarily this is like going against tech. Actually, when when I came, the Bronx Exchange was already the idea was created that it, there needs to be a 
digital platform that facilitates transactions for the, these businesses, the small businesses, but it's a B2B and then the, the, the institutions. Um, but as I, so when I came in, I, I, you know, I took that as an assumption. <laughs> there was a, there's a site up, but I was like, oh, I had a lot of questions about this. And as I then talked to um, the small businesses and to start develop relationship with institutions, Fordham University, Montefiore Medical Center, you know, these, these bigger institutions, like the, pl- the digital part wasn't, that's not the problem to solve for them. Like the transaction wasn't the problem to solve. There were, there um, other problems to solve in terms of just who are the businesses and the capabilities of the businesses. So there's a, discovered that there's actually a, a need for a lot more targeted business support um, to help them scale up to meet the needs of an institution, right? So that through observing um, and, and, and talking with actually how contracts uh, at this level too, because it's not like um, it's not like Amazon. So you know, contracts for construction and or you know these different bigger projects, uh, pest control. It's like months of negotiations and RFP. It's not like the platform um, was the 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 problem to solve to make the, the, the last part of it, the transaction, because they many of the institutions, they're not even, they're, they're still cutting checks. <laughs> and they have not, they're not gonna, there's no incentive for them to say there's no incentive. That wasn't the problem to localize procurement. Like it was more of the businesses actually need to be uh, helped. So you'd say that you, you start off thinking that you're addressing one challenge and then as you're in there, you discover, oh, it, 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 I might have to adjust. And it's not always what you go in thinking, but it's that open-mindedness. Cindy, do you find that as well? When you start a project, you probably came into Family Promise and were like, here's how I'm going to solve these challenges. But then once you got in there, you were like, oh, that, that's not what I was expecting. What about you, Sandy? Yeah, it happens all the time. And I think nonprofits also feel pressure sometimes for funders that have a certain idea of like what the outcome should be. Um, So then you have to negotiate that too. And you find like you really need to go in a different direction. Is that funder willing to pivot with you? Because at the end of the day, you're going to have the same outcome, but the way that you approach that, the solution may be totally different from what you pitched to them and they gave you money for. So I think that's always a challenge for for nonprofits to navigate. Mm-hmm. But the projects that work well are when you take that time to, to listen. And so I'm wondering, Tim, I always find felt that you would do a really good job with the vision and strategy. How do you prioritize that in your, in your day-to-day or your work week? Because I think often, too, small nonprofits, they feel like they don't have time for that, right? They're scrambling. They're all wearing many hats. How do you, how do you personally make, a, make that a priority? Yeah, that's that's a good question. Um, for for like me personally, person like my vision and strategy. <laughs> um, the organization, you know, I yeah. felt like we thought about that a lot when we were at Charity Navigator. You were still doing all the things that needed to get done, but you always had like, we can go here, and like we're we're missing this opportunity here. Yeah, yeah. I it's kind of I have um a process of of taking in a lot of information of like just organizing and aggregating information 
Um, but but creating a reference document. So at Bronx Exchange, at the, um, Charity Navigator, I created I created these documents to help kind of orient everyone to, to like, what are the, you know, revisit the mission division, make sure that's clear and upfront and, and, and then and revisit regularly, right? So it's like um, on a quarterly basis, the Bronx Exchange set up um, kind of a quarterly cadence to like checking in on the strategy, right? And like assumptions and like, here's what we were trying to do. Um, here's what we thought and here's what we learned too. So building in learning has been something that uh, I've been codifying, right? Like as, as, a, as a key function of what I, I believe, like all organizations need to become more, like the, the, the world we live in is, is there's so much information. We're awash with information. And there are oftentimes at the beginning of any initiative and ideas, there's a number of assumptions. And it's like, a lot of them are wrong. <laughs> like most of them are wrong, um, but you wanna figure, find that out, right? Quickly. And that's like coming from software and like agile, I think is, there's so much to learn, I think, from how software has evolved and like, and different components of how it's developed, but also open source, like governance, like the culture around it. Like I'm, I have no formal technical training in technology. I Googled everything <laughs> because I, no joke. I have not taken a single course, like certificate online, da, 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 da. Khan Academy, not even that. I've kind of like had a problem to solve and like looked for the solution. And it's, it's amazing what's available, right? Like, so there's a culture too of sharing around technology and, and, um, and coding that has accelerated kind of the uh, benefit to everybody, right? Like now the, 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 the ecosystems and the platform integrations that enable the pick and choose and to use the best of, right? Or what you already have, you know, oh, let's, I'm gonna use Microsoft Teams and we're gonna use Slack and we're gonna use Stripe and, you know, um, that kind of pick and choose and the, the businesses are able to focus on what they do best. So, um, but the strategy question, <laughs> this, is, this is where I'm like going off, right? Um, it's, it's building in like the revisit to like, okay, why are we doing this? Like, and I listen, I also listen to stuff every, I start my day kind of listening to big picture things. And there's, I think it's a, it's a famous, uh, you know, very popular um, video. So Simon, what's it, Simon Sinek? Sinek, Sinek. 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 Yeah. yeah. What's your start, start with why, yeah. you know, what's your why? And, and just remembering that because it does, it's easy to get kind of caught up in the, the how and the what and the like, um, but start keep keep revisiting that why and I and I do that with like actual document that helps orient like so it's like it always starts with like here's why we're here's the mission vision and here's why and at a quarterly level and then then into the the details of of the the plan. Yeah, it's funny uh, how many times I've. Uh, encountered somebody who said, you know, like, how do we get this video on TikTok? And then prior to that was, how do we get this on Snap? Yeah. They're like, all right, well, 
why do you want to do that? And, yeah. and often people are, are fixated on the technology yeah. and the channel. And you say, yeah. is that where your target audience is? Is that where the engagement is? And, and often they just, they have an idea that seems oddly specific. Right. 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 Like, <laughs> how do I get an interactive puzzle on this web page? Why do you need that? Is probably yeah. the best question to start with. Yeah. And we, we saw, you know, it's funny, Sandy and I both, we, over the years, right? How many people came to us with ideas oh, and like so startups? So and I had a list. Yeah, it was so many. And it was like the next great idea. And we just need to partner with y'all, Charity Navigator. And we did it. Like, what's your business model? Who's your target yeah. audience? And they couldn't answer those questions, but it was no. a good idea, you know? Yes. They have a browser yeah. extension. Remember there was, yeah. I don't know why it stuck in my mind, some browser extension yeah. and, and even, even well-funded. Cause I remember one of the, was one of the Facebook founders launched like a, oh, yeah, like a charity version, social media yeah. charity platform, well-funded. Right. Yeah. And it was like, and, and drive traffic there because traffic was already on Facebook. What are people? Why are people motivated to change their behavior? Yeah, Google Plus, they yeah. worked with us too, and people didn't want to switch and go over there. Yeah, <laughs> right, right. And it, it, you know, it's, I, I really appreciate the you know Pat um, and Marion um, founders of Charity Navigator because of the runway that we had to really create value. Right. And focus on the user because it was a private foundation. Right. So it's like, hey, the the goal was to create, you know, a really helpful tool. Um, and we weren't we, we didn't have the, the pressures. Right. Like to um, create a profit and figure out. And the, and and though we did have to pivot to the <laughs> fundraising and that was a challenge. But it, we also. There was that that um, that moment where we, we did have banner ads, remember, on, on the site, and we decided, like, you know what, we're not going to go that route because we're going to optimize for the benefit of the user and not for the advertising revenue, which is a different designing, right? We're like, yeah. let's make the ten top ten lists. Like, so that you have to click through each one. And so you could stay on the site longer, even yeah. though maybe you don't want to stay on the site. You know, look, I see we, I think this is a big issue now with the social media because yeah. of the business model, huge problem, the attention economy. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. We were very lucky in the beginning that we weren't, we disrupted the marketplace really. And we had the freedom to do that because we had private funding and we didn't, have to report to a funder in the field that had their own interests yeah. or, you know, some donor, like we, that, I don't think Cherry Navigator would have come about if we were relating on foundation funding because everybody has their own interests and we were really, we were coming in to disrupt everything. Yeah. And yeah. after a year, it would have, it was like, oh, after a year or two years, it would have been like, oh, okay, you, you, it didn't get enough traction. It took a yeah. while, right? Yeah, <laughs> what did we have 10,000 people the first year or something? And yeah. It yeah. took time. It was like five years. And um, I think it was the real traction. And I think the disasters kind of marked major milestones. Um, Katrina, um, the uh, tsunami. Uh, there was 
yeah, no, those were big. I was, I think Katrina maybe was the first one. It was like 2005. Yeah. Probably. yeah. Now going yeah. back was, to something that you just, you both talking about, which was the patience of the founders. Um, and for both of you, like what role does patience play in building something up from scratch? Tim, you mentioned it took five years to really hit the, the mark on the stride of what you wanted to have. That's a very long time in business, especially today. What yeah. role does patience play for uh, up and coming charities that are being grown organically? Yeah, I, I think it's, I think it's huge. Um, depend, and it, I mean, it also depends on what's the, the need, right? I mean, charity, it's funny because it's such a broad, like, Nonprofit. We talk about this charity now because it's so, One it's million. so broad. <laughs> yeah. Right. Right. It's like it's it's. There's so many different types in terms of the kind of direct service and relief, and you're like helping people, you know, that are in need. And then also the symphony is the nonprofit, and the you know, and all of these are on our university site and- on charity now. Yeah, universities and the local. Yeah, just it's it's so such so wide ranging. So I think, um, yeah, I think it, it varies because, I mean, certain things there's like, okay, there's just a need, right? There's a, it's, it's more obvious need. And then other things like that are uh, less obvious that are not, you know, like Charity Navigator was, it wasn't, uh, it, it was a, it was a, there was a vision. Pat had a vision. He had an idea. He, he's like, he just had a hunch, right? That this was needed and it was, he experienced it. And that's really powerful when it's like, you're trying to solve your own problem. Um, and kind of when it's a meaningful problem too, like it's, it goes against the, the culture, right? The venture capital startup kind of culture that has evolved and, set certain expectations around like startups and business and right. And, and even in the, you know, nonprofit social impact space, it's, it bleeds into, in terms of some of the, the, the expectations, but I think really meaningful um, uh, projects, they, they take time and to solve like really big problems. And I heard, um, what's this guy's name? He, 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 he leads social capital. He was an early investor in all of the, like Facebook, Ch- Chamath, is it Chamath? Chamath Pala, Palapatia, I forget his name, but I listened to him, him regularly um, to, in terms of solving really big problems. It, it takes time and it takes people that are kind of, it's not for everybody, but it's, you got to find and align with those really find those people who are like, Hey, this really matters. It's going to take time. And this is where the learning take, there's so much, it's, there's so much value in the learning of doing something, right? Like, so as you're on this mission and trying to solve a problem um, and you're dedicated and doing it for a while, you're also learning a lot about adjacent issues. Like that's, it's just so valuable. To, to, to document the learning and if everything's always like oh this is not going to work like it's that opportunity for learning is is is, uh, is missing and and like th- there's a project com- that came out of um 
our work with the Bronx Exchange, this is talking about the, the resources called uh, the platform I started to develop called the Business Ecosystem Navigator that based on also seeing the, pro the challenges with the, the resources, I saw like, oh, there's all of these support providers that I've gotten to know and that being one and I'm all these meetings and, and groups that are working to help small businesses. And this is an, an underserved group. Like it's very difficult for support providers of businesses to like work together and to know what businesses have. They don't have data. They don't. It, so it's, there's um, kind of that, that audience. I'm, I'm developing, continuing to develop the tool for that. Um, that I, I had no idea. <laughs> like I, I just discovered this and learned by also kind of being involved for a couple of years. This came after two years that I started to. Yeah, having some time probably yeah. helped. Same thing with you, Sandy. You want to just talk about the importance and role of, of patients? Yeah, I mean, I think Tim hit on it. You know, my organization also deals with intergenerational poverty. You can't solve for that overnight. And we need donors to walk alongside us that are going to give us the runway to, to deal with that. And, you know, I think we've historically, because it's easy, we can see the number of people served in a year, but that really isn't the meaningful outcomes that we want. We want to know five years out the families that we worked with, are they still stably housed? Are their kids in school? Do they have transportation? Do they have good jobs? You know, all that stuff. And that that's harder to do, right? And that takes time and there's gonna be failure. Um, so I think letting nonprofits experiment, letting them fail and giving them the time is really critical. If we're gonna solve our world's biggest problems, if we're just gonna put a bandaid on it, then, you know, we can do that kind of quickly, but that's not gonna, change things in the future and make this world better for our children. These are big, hard things, you know, cleaning up the environment, all these issues, they can't be fixed overnight. Yeah, yeah it wasn't caused overnight. It took, right. took time, right. it's not, not being solved overnight. And, I, and I, Sandy, you had a couple of other questions. We're, we're running down those rabbit holes that we knew we'd go on, but Sandy was <laughs> methodically put together some good questions for you, Tim. I just also wanted to ask you that you've done a lot of work around communications and what lessons you've learned that you could share with nonprofits listening to this podcast. Like what are top three things they should think about around communications? Yeah. yeah. Um, well, definitely segmenting the audience, understanding the audience and, and under developing personas, right? The idea of just getting it, and understanding and grouping in a helpful way, a, a way to differentiate the different segments of your audience um, across the board. Like, it's funny because I think about it like completely, like thinking about the board members as persona for your board, your persona for your, your um, you know, donors, persona for the your different types of clients or people you serve. Like, because you're, you're more, you, you meet, it helps you meet people where they're at where with um based on kind of what they need or are interested in or looking for so you, you have to have some kind of um some kind of framework to help understand all of your stakeholders and then um and, and that's that's yeah that's a key <laughs> i think that's like number one probably um and then and, and also did that at family promise for the affiliates so we have 200 affiliates across the country and 
I don't know why I didn't think of this sooner because I think I just organized it in my head, but we never communicated it out. We just created personas for our affiliates to help new staff coming on board and the board to understand like, you know, 20% of our affiliates look like this, but another 20% look like this. And then there's 30%, you know, so when we're talking about program and service delivery, like this type of affiliate is not going to adopt it, but maybe this one is going to be right. ready. And so what, what are the implications of all that? So I think, yeah, I'm a huge fan of personas. Yeah. I'm I didn't do it sooner for my team. But yeah. <laughs> I think it's critical. Even if it's a rough sketch, even small yeah. nonprofits should be thinking about what does your client profile look like? Who, who are your donors? Yeah. And who are your board members? All that. Yeah. I, I think to, it, yeah, it, it should be standard, like how to help all nonprofits and all people that are working with, you know, with people in any, it's just, it's such an important um, way to think and just always to understand, like, Oh, who's the audience. And like, what is the goal? Um, my goal for them the buddies point of view yeah. on different channels right with different types of messaging right um, and you right? differentiate yep. yep because there's certain people it's like oh video is really effective and like well what you know types of video and there's other people that are not on video youtube channels and they're looking at blog posts and they're you know the more you could you could understand um all the different variables and attributes and the, the, yeah, the channels that make it so it's a, it's a whole nother layer, right? Because when we started, <laughs> there was no, there was no Facebook when, you know, there was no YouTube. There weren't even podcasts. I remember the first uh, we time saw I all of Twitter that. for work. I was like, I don't know what to do with this. What am I going to do with this? this? Is another thing to do. Yeah. 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 So it's challenging. And that's where technology also helps it, like wrangle and uh, create dashboards, right? On, um, to help visualize that. and dashboards yeah in general very helpful so that there's a like a big picture snapshot and people everybody could can see it and get um get an understanding um so that's yeah the segmentation the uh, storytelling is is very important and that's something i'm working on in in the bronx as well because there's so many stories of success and inspiration that are just not told that just telling the stories would inspire others in ways as a multiplier effect and like in seeds inspiration and ideas for for people um so just helping tell those stories and family promise is great with the stories that uh about the work and about the impact and um yeah, what that's what I learned on a charity navigator. People give from the heart, like that's their first. You have to start there. But then, yeah. of course, you know, the, the place that charity navigator came in was where's the data? Can I know for sure this nonprofit is going to do good things? But it always has to come from the heart. So if you're not doing right. a good job at storytelling, it's going to be very hard to get more people under your tent. Yeah, yeah, it's that balance, right? You want to have the, the data and this and the stories. And, um, the the trust is so key and that's what we uh clearly proved the charity navigator how important and it's become even more right it's such a it's such a, a commodity um uh in currently right like there's a distrust there's there's a lot more distrust um so being transparent <laughs> and accountable um and i think being 
you know, there's always a balance, right, with vulnerability, but but it's important to like share the learnings. I'm gonna like really get into this. And this is like my personal as well. I'm like, I gotta be, I'm like, I'm because it's so that's how you create trust, right? Like, and and it's so easy with marketing. I I I, I think about this a lot, like how the tools are so um available now, right? Like I went to school for video production. It was $20,000 machines I had to use to create a video and it was still VHS and it looked, you know, (laughs) anybody can create amazing quality, right? Like production quality. But that that means you could also like manipulate people um, really easily because the, the tools are so abundant. And then that you know, bad actors then help, it, it messes it up for, for, for everybody, right? So, um, and so just kind of addressing in the community, in your, in communications, the, uh, the storytelling, the data and the vulnerability, like, hey, this is what we learned. We tried this, we thought this, it, it, it you know, it didn't work or was, we were wrong about that. Uh, and now we're trying this because I've seen that now in um, working like, some organizations, it, it's difficult and like the funders also can uh, kind of the, the culture funding can contribute to this in terms of like stick to the story, stick to the, we, you know, we funded this <laughs> and it's different from business where it's like all the funding comes up front and then it's like, you got to get to this, it's got to be spent like this. And then you start learning like, Ooh, we didn't. And it compromises, right. If you don't have the, um, every there's it's not comfortable to like share learnings like hey listen that didn't work let's but let's pivot let's adjust this um and that's i I think that's a learning edge for nonprofits so tim real quick just to just to get back to something you had mentioned very early on uh you went to marist go red foxes yeah Uh, you went to marist for um video production so you had a formalized education in storytelling and you learned technology, um, what did your formative years in storytelling and education um, give to you, especially as you became uh, higher up in the organization? Hmm. You know, I, I think there's, there's some, there's techniques in video production that I think translate. And I think the way I was talking about like the doc, the starting document and, and starting with why and like big picture, like similarly in, in video production, like the establishing shot, right? Like you help orient people when you're watching, like where, where are, where, where am I? What's going on? And then you get into more detail. Like when you start close up, it's like, it's disorienting. So I, I think um, those techniques in video production I, I think about how in business communication, because and, and seeing it too, how there's often a big disconnect between like, oh, the idea and the vision, and then what people think they should be doing or, or why, and they don't know why. <laughs> like the, the folks that are charged with executing uh, um, in an organization doesn't, if they don't know and, and really have that, that understanding of the big picture, um, they can't, they don't have the latitude to adapt and adjust to hit the, like, oh, the outcome they're going for. They're just trying to like stick to that plan, right? Cause they don't, they don't, they don't have the context. They don't understand. So I think it's really important to help 
um, push that, communicate that understanding um, throughout the org so that everybody knows the why. And then it pushed the decision-making down as more, it allows you to push decision-making down more and more because, uh, and more latitude to be creative, to solve problems. Entrepreneurial, yep. Yeah, down, yeah. down, down into the org. And a lot of tech, this is also where tech companies, because I started studying with tech companies while I was a charity navigator, because I stopped looking at like just nonprofits and, and then looked at technology companies as they were able to innovate quickly. And, and they're experimenting with different models and creating, you know, and going from the waterfall and software development to the, the agile and like having you, you want a product manager and a designer and a business. You want teams of people, not like throw the requirements over the fence. And then, yeah. <laughs> you know, you see a lot, there's a, a lot of <laughs> there's certain sites, uh, government sites that I've been to that are like, oh, 25 years old. They really haven't been updated. And you can see the, <laughs> the disconnect <laughs> um, and how like there were some requirements thrown over to the engineers. But um, yeah, that's. So Sandy, yeah, we're, we're, we're getting close on time. Have time for maybe one more question? I don't know, Tim. Is there something, <laughs> something to wrap? Something that you, I'm like, that, that you bring the, you know Tim has the best answer for? Hmm. I'm not sure. That's a good question. I, I Well, I mean, if there's time, I can tell you what I'm thinking about. Okay. Like, and this, it, it's, it's, it's more broad. I, just, I think there's a time. I think it's interesting because watching, you know, over the now, I don't know how many years, you know, since the teacher ran 30 years or so. And the nonprofit space, a charity navigator. And so much has changed. And, and I think there's a like this is a I think it's a step back moment. Right. For for organizational leaders and some of the, just even these concepts. So we're talking about nonprofit versus for profit. Like there's, there's so much has happened there where it's like, it's, they're coming closer and closer, right? The public benefit corporations and the, the B Corps and then nonprofits used to just think of those charities, but oh no, these are big entities that are now have tech. There's, there's even, you know, completely tech focused nonprofits that, mm-hmm. um, and, and they're more, much more, um, sophisticated and using technology and everything and all kinds of nonprofits, like look at you know churches, even they're putting on massive productions and like have bit CFOs, you know, so there's, there's this moving. So I think like there, there's so many different types of entities. And, and I think it's opportunity again, thinking about like outcomes and then like, what's the best model for it. Right. Like, and it, it's not, it's clear. It's like, oh, nonprofit versus for-profit anymore. It's kind of like, what are you trying to accomplish? And then downstream of that is more like, also I would look at like, what's take a look at it, what's going on? Because there's a lot of different, um, not, we talked about this as a charity navigator, right? Like just creating like your own um, first, like kind of look what's out there. You may want to join something out there, but all, and also collaboration. Like there's, I think that's key. Like the the collaboration across organizations in a community, um, looking for areas of synergy and working together in new ways, and 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 reconfiguring as well. Like it can mm-hmm. be constricting. Like organizations 
get started, but then it's, it's just natural. They then become like, part of it is like, they're just, um, it's fixed, right? They, they could be too rigid, but there's, uh, I think it could be uh, more agile and like, hey, there's, we should partner and we start a different organization or, or an initiative. And um, I, I think, yeah, I think again, I think software technology is, has helped change that. It's, right? helping that. it's so yeah. easy to find a partner where 20, 30 years ago, you didn't know that that potential partner even existed. Right. And now you can send them a DM and have a conversation tomorrow and partner three days late, you know, like it's just a different environment back in the day, right. you needed to unite away to broker all these relationships. And now we right. need to do it ourselves. I know family promise has been really good about relationships and outsourcing. You know, if we don't do something well, let's outsource it. Or, you know, if we don't have those skills at the affiliate, let's find a partner in the community that does. And um, I think I'd like to see more authentic partnerships with corporations just across the board um we have some really good ones but um you know i think we've all seen those missteps where they're not authentic and right you know it's like just kind of giving lip service to a cause Um, we need more companies to really you know change their practices too so they're not contributing to the problems yes and that's actually where another um kind of project incubating coming out of the this ecosystem navigator thinking about the more accountability on the even more accountability on the corporation side and, yeah. and how they're working with in in communities um yeah, yeah. That, absolutely well that seems like a great point to end this on <laughs> I love the concept, Sandy, as usual, you led a great discussion and uh, you knew how to get the best out of Tim and Tim. I could talk to Tim all day. Yeah, you (laughs) You guys are great. Yeah. For those of you just listening on audio, these guys are, you know, they're giving each other cues. They know exactly (laughs) what they're going to get from each other. So that's the power of, that's the power of partnerships and relationships. And thanks to the magic of LinkedIn, we were able to, to reconnect um so uh tim where can people find you uh and what you're doing on either the web or social media yeah that's it's it's funny because i've been thinking about that i've been really quiet like i i haven't i and i i'm like about to start talking (laughs) because i feel like i'm I'm just at this point over a number of years where I like, ah, uh, okay, I synthesized. I have some ideas that I want to share and, and I'm about to. So, um, I mean, I have a account at, at uh, LinkedIn, um, certainly the website, uh, the new website's elevatedigital.nyc. Um, there's beacon.network, B-E-C-O-N.network. But where I'll, yeah, I'll probably um, on, on LinkedIn most most of all. So just Tim Gamery, um, on LinkedIn, you can find me there. For our audio friends, we want to spell that last name. Oh, sure, Gamory, G-A-M-O-R-Y. Perfect. And Sandy, where can they uh, where can they find or follow you and and your organization as well? Yeah, familypromise.org, and you can go on there and find your local affiliate if you want to volunteer or contribute. And I'm on Twitter at Sandra Minuti, and I'm also on LinkedIn. So uh, you can find me and this podcast at the 501c3lookup.org website. 
Uh, and of course, I'm always on Twitter at Buddy Scalera and my own website at Buddy Scalera. And we hope that you enjoyed the 501 Companion Podcast and consider subscribing so you never miss an episode. If you have any questions, show ideas, or part of a charitable organization that wants to be on the show, visit the 501c3lookup.org website. You'll find our information in a complete list of our previous episodes. And of course, the extensive and free resources that are at the 501c3lookup.org website. Thank you for joining us on the 501 Companion Podcast. We hope you join us again next week for the information and inspiration to take your charitable mission to the next level.